Welcome to the PA Books Podcast. PA Books is a production of PCN, the Pennsylvania Cable Network. This program features interviews with authors of books on Pennsylvania people, history, sports, business, nature, and politics. We hope you enjoy this podcast. week on PA Books, William Markham, author of The Foreman's Boys. William Markham, author of The Foreman's Boys, the story of Civilian Conservation Corps Company 1333 Camp S63 Poe Valley. Why'd you write your book? Well, I, uh, I heard endless stories about the CCCs from my grandfather, who was a foreman in uh, this particular camp that I've written about. And uh, as a young boy, those, those stories were intriguing to me and it sounded like uh, something that was gonna be great fun even though I would eventually learn that I couldn't be in a CCC camp. Um, and uh, after his passing, uh, unbeknownst to the rest of us in the family, uh, we found a trunk full of CCC history. Uh, that uh, my grandfather had kept from his time in the camp, and it was uh, photographs and textural documents and uh, receipts and drawings and logs and engineers' comments, uh, things that we knew nothing about, uh, uh, camp newsletters that were prepared by the boys in the camp. Um, uh, th this would uh, spur me on to want to know more about the CCCs and... Uh, Eventually, uh, uh, through uh, assistance of a couple of local veterans who were uh, in the area, my mother and my wife and I, we, we uh, hosted a reunion of the veterans. Yeah, this was, I believe, plus or minus 83 or 84. And uh, we, we held these for approximately 15 years. And unfortunately, these, uh, these veterans were... were uh, were of an age where they weren't going to be with us very long or much longer. And so there was a, a lull uh, where, uh, where we didn't have reunions, but I continued my, my gathering of CCC history of Poe Valley, which was challenging because uh, the, the history of the CCC is, is not something you go down to your local library and get very much information about. You can get some generalized uh, history of the CCC's involvement in the country, but not camp specific. So I continued uh, a little more searching to find that uh, the National Archives wasn't gonna give me very much either, as well as state archives, but there was, there was some information. Um, then uh, in, I believe it was 2012, uh, I was uh, asked if I might have an interest in doing a, a collaborative effort with uh, our local historical society, and uh, I kind of jumped on it right away. And um, that also spurred me to want to try to find out a few more things, and uh, eBay has become a very good friend of mine. Um, I was able to find uh, more photographs. I was able to find a few more documents. And 
uh, I was also uh, able to find other sources that had information that I knew nothing about, uh, specifically the the newsletters that were prepared by the CCC boys in these various camps um, are all uh, kept in the library at the University of Chicago in Champaign. And sure enough, uh, even though I had many, uh, they had every newsletter that was prepared by the camp, as well as I would learn almost every other camp throughout the country. That collection is huge. And it, it gave me a very large source to find out things that went on in the camp. These newsletters were prepared by the boys in the camp. And we'll get back to, uh, to why I refer to boys here in a bit. Uh, but uh, I've, I had a large collection of things and, and information that others uh, shared along the course of these reunions and then these, uh, these collaborative efforts uh, started and we were uh, getting visitation by extended family. Uh, the, you know, the, the grandsons and great-grandsons and, and great-nieces. And uh, these folks uh, came with more information. They had heard snippets of this and snippets of that. Grandpa told them this, Grandpa told them that. Um, so... Taking all of that together, my wife kept reminding me that uh, I, I ought to write a book. Uh, I, had, I had this wealth of information. Now, mind you, I've never written anything. And uh, so finally, after hearing that I ought to write a book uh, about uh, a dozen times, I said, okay, I'll sit down and write a book, forgetting that I did not know how to type, <laughs> that is. Uh, and uh, three years later, I was fortunate enough to have the book published, and, and here we are today. So for people who were watching this who know nothing about the CCC, what was it? The CCC was, uh, was a program that was developed out of the New Deal package in, in the FDR administration. And uh, it was one of the more favored programs that came out of the New Deal. Uh, there were so many programs that came from the New Deal era. Um, and we all know it today as CCC, or Civilian Conservation Corps. Its origin name, however, was ECW, or Emergency Conservation Work. Emergency referring to the Depression? Correct. And uh, this, was, uh, this was a program to put young men, 17 to 25 years of age, uh, to work, to give them a job. They were the most, or, or a part of the most hard uh, struck uh, people the depression time who couldn't get a job. Jobs were scarce and uh, if there was a job in the family to be had dad had the job and unfortunately uh, the, the sons were just out on the streets um, and this was a target specific program to put that age group uh, to work and give them employment. How big was it? The overall scope of the CCC program was uh, quite significant. There were more than 4,000 camps uh, throughout the continental United States. Uh, here in Pennsylvania, we had more than 150 camp locations. How did they recruit people? How did they find the people to, to man the camps? 
this was a, a unique time in American history when um, all facets uh, of, of government, local government, state government, federal government, came together and literally overnight joined forces and made things happen. The state government uh, had the responsibility of developing needs, what was going to be done by these CCC boys. However, the local government was, was charged with enlisting young men into the program. And uh, they were referred to as enrollees. Uh, and they, they would go to their, to their county seat offices and, uh, and sign up into the program for, uh, initially it was for a six month period of time. How did the CCC choose who went and who didn't go? Pretty much if it was a, if it was a you showed up and you were healthy, you were pretty much going to be in, in a sense. Uh, early on, uh, when the program was offered, young men charged to the enlistment centers uh, because desperation was there. They didn't have jobs. They had no income. Uh, and many of them were on the streets. Sadly, it was a time when those young men uh, were basically uh, not living at home because there wasn't any opportunity at home. They were literally on the street. But the, uh, the centers then would send them, in the very beginning, would send them on to uh, an induction center, much like the military, uh, to where they would, uh, they would get physicals and, and they would get... Uh, uh, fed well three times a day, and uh, after they would have uh, a large enough group, which was roughly uh, 160 men, they would then uh, uh, take the whole group off to a camp location and, and set up camp. Did this would change, I'm sorry, this would change after time uh, where they wouldn't go from the county office to an induction center and then onto a camp uh, later on. Uh, once the induction centers and the camps, uh, the camps had been developed, they basically didn't need the induction centers. So these young men would just go straight from an enlistment center in their county off to a campsite. And you said it was a six-month term they would sign up for? Correct. Could they re-up? In the beginning, uh, they could not. Uh, it was, you have six months opportunity here, uh, and, and there are so many others that, that we want to provide opportunities for. Uh, that that they were not allowed to. As the program aged um, and the economy started to get a little better, um, there were more there were more jobs back home. So there wasn't such a clambering to 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 enlist. So to fulfill enlistment needs and fulfill projects that had been developed to be performed by the CCC boys, um, enlistment terms were extended. Were they paid? They were paid a whole dollar a day um, for their work. And of that dollar a day, uh, at the end of the month, when payday came, they only got $5. $25 had to go home in the form of an allotment. And this was something that they had to agree upon whenever they, whenever they signed into the program. Tell me about your grandfather. Well, my grandfather was... Uh, I think best way to describe my grandfather was he was a he was a, what we would call it a, a jack of all trades and master of none. 
Um, when he was 33 years old, he was uh, given an opportunity to be a foreman in a CCC camp. Uh, his resume at the time uh, uh, in, had the list of, uh, of, of things, his background, and they were, he was a lumberman, he was a, he was a sawyer, uh, he was uh, a thrashing machine operator, uh, he had been a heavy equipment operator, um, and a carpenter. And those were some of the key types of things that, that the, the men who were being hired on to be foremen in these CCC camps, uh, they were going to work forestry services. So he had a bit of a background that, that fit the bill, so to speak. So he was not a, a recruit like the, uh, the others. Did he sign up for a six-month term, or was his job open-ended? His job was open-ended. Um, basically, the camp uh, set up, was you had the CCC boys, and uh, the camp was administered by the federal government, and the camps used the U.S. Army as its management team. So in the camps, you would have uh, typically assigned military officers, two or three or four of them, who, who were orchestrating the health and welfare of a CCC camp. Then the next group of people, administration were basically uh, men who were hired through the Bureau of Forestry to be uh, a foreman, to ramrod these young, these young men around and throughout the forest to do the jobs of forest management and forest cultivation and, and do other works, uh, uh, building roads, building bridges, the, the things that would the, the boys were going to, to perform their works in. So these foremen um, were, were signed on, uh, and it was a full-time full -time job for them. Um, and they, uh, they lived the life of the CCC boys as well. They, they lived in the camp. They had quarters in the camp. They, they, fed, they were fed in the camp. Um, so they, they were along the way with the boys doing the same thing, living the same lifestyle. And you mentioned the boys. It's all male? It's all male. Was it integrated? It was never integrated, not the original CCC program. Now, uh, did the workers have to have any special skills? The boys have to have any special skills going in? Uh, not at all. These, uh, these young men, um, their, their, their principal necessity uh, or fulfillment was labor. They were in a work camp. Uh, so uh, the only skill they had to have was... Uh, was a willingness to work eight hours a day. Could they quit? They could walk away any time. Could they be fired? Yes is the answer to that question. Um, but um, they basically uh, were so desperate to have a job that they, they would toe the line, so to speak. They didn't tend to step out and, and become too problematic for, for management. Now, your book is about a particular CCC camp in the Po Valley. Where is the Po Valley? Po Valley is located uh, <coughs> geographically right in the center of the state of Pennsylvania. Why was that area picked for a CCC camp? Um, it's very mountainous, and the, the initial works of the CCCs, and, and throughout its whole lifetime, was, uh, was forest restoration and forest management. We had, the country had 
had gone through a time where it, if it was a tree, they sawed it down and turned it into lumber for building all around. And uh, conservation was a word that people knew but was not very well organized. And, and we had severely depleted our, our forests and they, they needed cultivated and cleaned up and, and uh, put back together again, so to speak, which was the principal purpose of the program. So put yourself in the shoes of a 17, 18 year old recruit. You show up and they say, okay, you're going to that camp. What, what's the experience like? Well, I, uh, I would learn that the experience was terrifying, frightening, exhilarating, and aw shucks, what did I get myself into? Uh, I would hear so many comments from veterans that, that we had sat with during these reunions. Um, they were, they were excited to have had an opportunity for a job and have some money in their pockets as well as help family back home. Uh, and that was a big reason for joining and signing up into a CCC camp. Not so much to have a dollar in their own pockets, but to be able to help mom and dad back home uh, provide for, for the family. But they would sign on. They would not know where they were going. There wasn't any... Uh, any guarantee of a contract. Mm. The only issue that, that was provided, or, or I should say not issue, the, the, in the beginning, uh, these young men stayed within the confines of the state of Pennsylvania. They did not go or, or would not be shipped off to another state, uh, north, south, east, or west. But you wouldn't necessarily be assigned to the one in your, closest to your home. In the beginning, you weren't. Um, there was the concern that, you know, if you're first time away from home and you're homesick, you know, you could just walk home. Um, so that was the the principal reason for shuffling them around the states, uh, thinking that, you know, the the military term of AWOL would, would not become problematic for them. So describe the camp, the Po Valley camp. The Po Valley camp, like so many other camps, uh, it was uh, pretty well uh, uh, detailed in a, in a military fashion. You would have barracks buildings that would hold 40 men, uh, a mess hall. Uh, there would be uh, a recreation hall. There was a headquarters building. Every military operation needs a headquarters building. Uh, you know, there was a shower house. Uh, there were officers' quarters where the, the, the military officers stayed. There was a forestry quarters building. Uh, there were garages and maintenance shops uh, erected, uh, depending upon what the camp's performance was, was expected to be. Um, there was also an infirmary uh, on most of the camps. Was so there a doctor on, on there, hand? There was. Uh, the, the mil one of the three officers typically in a... In a in a CCC camp was uh, uh, a military surgeon. So by and large, if you would look at this from a bird's eye view, you would see what you would think is this small military encampment when in fact, uh, that's basically what you were looking at, except uh, these CCC boys, although they were in uniform, uh, wearing World War I surplus uh, clothing, in lieu of seeing them, uh, you know, in a 
regimental fashion carrying rifles. They were, they were just out and about carrying picks and shovels. And there was a camp store? There was. In the recreation hall, there was a small PX uh, where the boys could, uh, could buy candy, candies. They could buy tobacco products. Uh, depending upon where the camp was located uh, and, and what, what proximity of things were available, there were camps that might even have ice cream. Uh, very, very few, but they would have it. Uh, but Poe Valley was not one of those camps. Did it operate year-round? All year-round, 365 days a year. Uh, it, was, it was in occupation. So they were able to do their work in the winter? All winter long. Uh, every day, weather was just something you dealt with. You put on a, a heavier coat. And you say in your book that the only heat was from a fireplace? In the barracks buildings, the heat for the boys was in two uh, heat stoves were fired, fired by coal. In the other buildings, uh, the officers' quarters, forestry quarters, uh, those were fireplaces was the only other. That was their heat source. All the other buildings had these uh, smaller-sized coal-fired heating stoves. How many people to, in the whole camp? Well, typically there was uh, going to be 160 enrollees, and then the accompaniment of, of officers and foremen uh, would bring a camp total to approximately 182 people. What was a typical day like? They wake up in the morning, and what time did they wake up and just take us through the day? Uh, a, a day in the life of a CCC boy was uh, like uh, most any other worker. Uh, these were work camps. Their job was uh, they worked they worked a 7:30 to 4:30 or 7 to 3:30, depending upon administrations what they what they wanted to set for work hours. Uh, but they were they were awakened usually at six o'clock. They were uh, uh, they were given breakfast and then they mobilized for the day whatever the whatever gear they needed what the what the weather conditions were, uh, they dressed for it. Again, I rem they, they had military surplus uh, clothing. Now, like all other military operations, you know, if, if you were a, a 34 waist, uh, 30 length trouser, you might have a 36 uh, inch waist pair of, pair of dungarees given to you, but it may not fit you as well as you would like it to, but they were surplus. So they were they were engaged for a, a job for the day. Uh, at the end of the day, they were they were brought back to the camp, um, where they cleaned up for the evening meal. They uh, they had mess at five o'clock typically, or five thirty depending upon who was running things at the time. And then the rest of their day was free time. Uh, they would. Uh, Depending upon time of year, there were sports activities. There, there was a recreation hall to go into where they could read, write home to write letters back home, uh, card games, at billiard table, dartboards. Typical uh, recreational activities were uh, were provided. Could they go into town? Was there a town to go into? Well, depending upon where the camp's proximity was to a town, they could. In the case of Po Valley's camp. The two neighboring towns were, uh, one was called Milheim and the other one was called Lewistown. Uh, and they could go anytime they wanted to, but you had to walk. And 
Milheim was the close, most close town. It was an eight-mile journey one way. Uh, Lewistown was about 14 miles one way. Uh, but However, the weekends were a different time. The weekends were free time again. They had both days off? The they weekend? had both days off. They worked uh, Monday to Friday, like, like uh, an average worker. And so the weekends, yes, they had, they had a lot more liberal free time. However, the, the camp uh, military officers, uh, as part of recreation, would provide transportation to town. And that was usually uh, very well received by the boys. They, they wanted to get out of camp and get to town and, you know, just might be able to uh, uh, casually uh, meet some lovely young girl and, and, uh, and have a date for the weekend. You said there were dances sometimes? In the camp, yeah. uh, part of the recreation program was, uh, was to host a dance. And uh, these were also very, very well received by the boys uh, because uh, chaperoned young girls were brought into the camp uh, as typically as well as an orchestra. And uh, that was the case at Poe Valley. Uh, there were several orchestras that, were, uh, that performed in the camp and uh, these were these were fun times for them. Uh, they would serve refreshments, and uh, the dances uh, in the beginning weren't so many. But I would learn and read through documents that uh, it kind of got to be. Uh, well, boys, you know, uh, it's the it's the first of July. Don't you think we ought to have a dance? Oh, <laughs> uh, they they would come come up with all kinds of good reasons to, to host a, a dance event. You think that fathers in town might be reluctant to have their daughters go into this camp full of adolescent males? I think reluctant is a uh, kind word. <laughs> uh, certainly, um, you know, the, the, the CCC boys were, were, were viewed by fathers as trouble. Uh, you know, they're, they're young men, they're they're, uh, they're unmarried, which was another requirement of being a CCC boy. You could not be married. So, uh, you know, certainly they, they wanted to the, the, the company of young ladies. And, and most fathers, you know, it was like, when the CCC boys come to town, you're not going out this evening. Uh, that was a common, common theme that I would learn. But uh, also uh, we would learn that in the case of Po Valley, the, when the boys came to town, actually, uh, people kind of looked forward to it. Um, they were not trouble. Uh, we never found any <clears throat> any issue of uh, police action against these CCC boys. Uh, one of the things I learned was that they they had uh, they had taken on these jobs they knew not where they were they didn't know what they were going to be doing but the foreman tended to be a father-like figure and for the most part there was a very good relationship between the foreman and the boys they worked together all day long they knew each other they, they would learn their habits they would learn you know things that that were encouraged and things that were not encouraged and for for one of the times uh, I would find out that that a lot of these boys, they didn't want to embarrass these foremen because these foremen were from the local towns mostly, uh, particularly the Milheim area. So they, um, they didn't cause trouble is what I'm really trying to say. And uh, yes, certainly I know that a lot of fathers were uh, looking out for their daughters 
but we would also learn certainly that uh, a lot of young men who had come from various parts of the states, uh, or par various parts of the state, uh, would in fact uh, become enamored with a, a young lady of the local area and, and marriages occurred. Were, were there city boys in this too? These were boys from all parts of, on all walks of life. Boys from, from the, the, the hard hit area, the cities, the Philadelphia, Pittsburgh regions. Boys from areas where, where jobs were, were so difficult to acquire. The coal mining regions, the steel uh, making areas, uh, all of those areas. Uh, these boys came from and they were just mixed together. There was, there was no assignment based upon where you were from or, or uh, any, other, any other condition. You just, you just went where you were assigned. So you would have had all sorts of different ethnic backgrounds too. I mean, yeah. Irish and Polish and Lithuanian and Italian. Absolutely. Um, when you look at the roster of names uh, that we have in the book, you just, you just see names from from every ethnicity and, and every region that uh, had come to America. And they got along? Well, I, I never found accounts, written accounts where, you know, the Irish squared off <laughs> with the Polish. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm f certainly there had to have been times when uh, people weren't going to get along. You, you put 160 young men together in a confined area, they're not all going to be happy with each other. However, uh, the military was good at, uh, at providing recreational activities that would bring them together to, in a team atmosphere, as well as uh, they, they, they weren't separated. So they had a bunk beside each other. They had a, they had a sit down at, at the mess hall with each other. They learned to get along. Um, military also uh, had, a, had a good way of settling conflict. Uh, this camp, as well as many other camps, had a small boxing ring. And typically, when Bob couldn't get along with John, okay, boys, put on the cuffs and let's settle this. And in many cases, it was settled. <laughs> what kind of stories did your grandfather tell? Well, my grandfather, my grandfather was a practical jokester. He he, he enjoyed uh, a, a good a good joke on people, um, and and they would the the foreman. And most of these stories weren't weren't practical jokes assigned to the CCC boys. They were assigned to to uh, to other management personnel who had come to Po Valley from either the the, they were they were known as Harrisburg men or Washington men from from my grandfather and he would he would tell of these uh, practical jokes that they would pull on these guys uh, they would take out road signs so that whenever they were leaving they would get lost uh, th there was uh, a, another great story that uh, he loved to tell uh, in the foreman's quarters they were the, the food was brought to them from the mess hall by a steward so they, they ate family style. And when they had a visitor from camp, mostly these were inspectors coming to inspect this, inspect that. And uh, if you can maybe well imagine, you, you, put a, 
you put a bureaucracy together, there's going to be inspections following it. Um, and some of these inspectors, uh, maybe not as kind as others, uh, maybe would would say things that uh, were uh, taken uh, taken in the wrong context. Uh, and if that happened, uh, even though they would be invited to the evening meal, um, they would usually be the, the, the butt of something. And one of these uh, issues was a drip glass. And uh, my brother still has this, this particular glass, but it was just a conventional water glass, like everybody else was sitting at the table. And it was flowered, had a flowered pattern on it, and it had this very teeny tiny little hole drilled in it. And the unsuspecting inspector would take a drink, and of course it would dribble out just a little bit and down across his, 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 uh, his, the front of his shirt. And of course the foreman was sitting there like nothing happened. Uh, and of course they're just you know wanting to bust up in laughter. Uh, so those were the types of, of practical things that he would talk about. Or practical jokes, I should say. His other commentary um, was uh, the boys. He always referred to these young men as as the boys. The boys did this. The boys did that. Uh, he would he would tell of their labors, their works. Um, they built roads. They built trails. Uh, they cut in uh, numerous. Um, Fire, fire stops. They did a lot of, of hard work, swinging of swinging of axe, uh, pick and shovel work, building a road by pick and shovel and, and taking large rocks and smashing them into small rocks with 10 and 12 and 16 pound sledgehammers all day long. This this was not something that uh, that sh that was for not uh, a lot of labor intensity. So they, they learned how to work with each other. He, he would tell of, of teaching them how to not have such a sore back at the end of the day. Um, he enjoyed the work that they did. They built a dam. Uh, it's a 660-foot-long earthen masonry combination dam. Still, still there. there today. Um, it created a 27-acre lake that is uh, still a recreational lake that uh, Pennsylvanians come to uh, every year and have been since the day it was open. That's a state park now? That's a state park, Poe Valley State Park. And part of that dam was uh, a masonry spillway, uh, so there was a lot of concrete involved. All that concrete was mixed by hand. Um, my grandfather talked of teaching these, these young boys skills, masonry skills, carpentry skills, uh, how to build forms for concrete, uh, how to build road. Uh, how to put up a head wall so that you could divert drainage and send it underneath. Um, he became attached to these boys. They were his boys, so to speak. And it was never in a demeaning or a derogatory manner. His perception of these young men, they were, they were boys to him. So were they? was the idea that they would learn usable skills that they would be able to go out and get jobs when they were done? Um, in the very beginning, the idea was just find something for these young men to do uh, so that they can have some money in their pocket and some money can go back home. Uh, and the, the initial direction uh, was, to, was to go into these forested areas and 
and do what what needed to be done to bring life back into into forests uh, tree management and I can't sit here and be very expansive on forestry management I truly don't know what it really means uh, I, I know that they planted tens of thousands of trees they did timber surveys they would they would go acre by acre and count every tree and identify what was there uh, so there was a lot of a lot of work being done in forestry management that I truly don't know what it all was but they did so many other things as well and they, they 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 built their own barracks buildings so they would pick up carpenter skills if they were there in the very beginning um, eventually these other jobs would come along the dam didn't happen in day one they the dam wasn't started until the third year of the camp's life so the answer to that question is by the second year of the program the administration had learned that this was going to be a great opportunity for young minds to continue their education and they actually set up a <coughs> program and provided an education advisor in the camps you have a schedule in there a couple different schedules of the classes and it's in blacksmithing blueprint reading auto mechanics woodwork first aid foreman training absolutely those were the those are the opportunities made available at this particular camp and those uh, those those teachings were provided by these foremen uh, military officers the education advisor uh, they they were the they were the ones who who held class so to speak and yes um, for many of these young men from the cities uh, and and areas that uh, you know you weren't farm boy where you you pretty well knew you had to know how to do many things uh, they would pick up a skill uh, and for many of them that skill was taken through the rest of their life truck driving uh, mechanics uh, Carpentry, mind you, now there's they're only there for six months in the beginning, so it wasn't like they could get a, a real intense educational program and, and go through it. But as the program expanded and developed, the educational part of it uh, did key day one. Um, by the end of the CCC era, when you enlisted into the program, you actually had to agree that you would con you would be that you would take part in some form of continuing education. Now, I guess since the dam that you said that they built is still there, they must have brought in someone who knew how to build a dam? The camp had an assigned engineer. Um, and he did have uh, some skills on building a dam. Uh, the dam construction story at Po Valley is uh, kind of entertaining. Um, there's several parts to it. One part, uh, my grandfather and the rest of his uh, uh, group of foremen, along with the camp superintendent, who was in charge of all of the foremen and in charge of administering the work, the, the eight to five work that was going to be done. Uh, all of those men, excepting for the camp engineer, had nothing more than a grammar school education, an eighth grade education. However, all of those foremen, the camp superintendent, and one camp engineer built that dam. Uh, my grandfather 
you know more about building a dam than I know about performing open heart surgery, uh, day one. But he, he was mechanically minded. He had a background in handling equipment, a background in, in carpentry, so, uh, and a background in general skills. My, my grandfather was a farm boy, so uh, he, he knew a lot of differing things. Uh, and the engineer, uh, he had quite a task in, in uh, surveying was his principal job, keeping things straight and level. But the rest of the work was managed by these foremen and the, the, the handling and the physical labor was all done by these boys who knew not how to build a dam or had no prior experience of building a dam. But there it is today. Was your grandfather from the area? He was. He, uh, he, he grew up about five miles as the crow flies from the camp itself. So he got to go home occasionally? The foreman had quarters in the camp uh, provided for them, and he could go home anytime he wanted. Was he married at the time? He was married. Uh, he lived in the, in the nearby town of Milheim. However, at the time, uh, the roads in and out of Po Valley were, were nothing more than rutted dirt trails. Uh, they hadn't yet been expanded into the roads that, that the CCC boys would eventually uh, create. Um, he did have a car, uh, but uh, buying gas was, it took money, and he was paid fairly well for, the, for his, his job. And in fact, the townspeople were envious of my grandfather. He, he, he had a job that got him $135 a month. Uh, which was a, uh, a rather princely sum, particularly for its time. But they worked long hours. They didn't work 8 to 5. They had to be there around 6 o'clock in the morning to get things organized and, and get ready for the day. And then they worked in the evening hours, fixing equipment that had broken down and preparing for the next day's activities. So for the most part, the foreman did not go home until the weekend came. Could the recruits go home? Did they ever get, like, home leave during their six months? There wasn't a leave where they, you know, they were given so many days that you can just go off and, and do whatever you want. Um, however, uh, the holidays were a time when if they could get transportation, which was costly, basically the only mode of transportation at the time was trains, um, so if they, could, if they could afford a ticket, they could go home on a weekend if they wanted to, or they could go home during the holiday periods if, there was, if the camp commander was going to allow days off. Um, those things changed depending upon work schedules. There were times I would learn that um, a couple of days after Christmas or even maybe the whole period of time between Christmas and New Year's, if they didn't have a, a, a work schedule that something had to be completed, yeah, the camp was pretty much open, and the guys could go, the boys could leave and go home. Um, but if there was a work assignment, like whenever the dam was being built, um, every day that, that there was uh, a, on this calendar, there basically was going to be scheduled work down at the dam. So, yes, they could go home if they could, if they could find a way in or afford a way. You also said that they built bridges? 
They built many bridges uh, in Po Valley. Uh, some of them still stand today. They're, they're not mighty bridges like cross the Susquehanna. They're, they cross small streams, you know, maybe 20, 30 feet long, uh, but having uh, stone abutments and, and uh, concrete decks as, as a crossway, yes, they built them. Uh, under the administration of those same foremen that were uh, managing building the dam. How much of what they built is still standing? Well, the dam still stands. Um, my last count uh, of the 14 bridges that I knew they built, there's still eight of them in service. Did you visit other CCC camps? I have. Um, my grandfather also worked at another CCC camp, a location called Parker Dam out in Clearfield County. But during the course of uh, wanting to know more about CCC activities, I've, had, I've visited numerous uh, state parks around the state. Is there much evidence today that the CCC was there? There's not much standing. Uh, there are a few sites that have a few buildings, original barracks buildings, mess halls. Uh, but by and large, they're all gone. You mentioned the camp newsletter. Uh, did you, you found a lot of those? Um, I was fortunate enough to find all of them. Um, my grandfather had, uh, from the time that the camp newsletter started, he had about half of the ones that were published through the time he was there before he left. Um, but then through another association uh, with a professor that I, would, that I would come across, I was able to actually uh, garner a copy of each one of them uh, that, that's uh, maintained uh, in the uh, archives at the University of Chicago in Champaign. And you write about the name of the newsletter was The Raven, R-A-V-I-N, which is kind of a clever play on words. And it was. Um, <coughs> Poe Valley uh, has uh, legend holds that the Poe family of its most infamous, I shouldn't say infamous, famous known person is Edgar Allan Poe, the, oh, same, the famed same poet. However, that's only legend. <laughs> it was a Poe family that settled the Poe Valley area. However, its direct tie to Edgar Allan is still being sought out. Uh, and, and continuing legend has it that Edgar Allen himself actually visited the area while he was doing some background genealogy of his own family uh, and found it to be the place to write the raven, the, his, one of his most well-known poems. All legend. However, I do know there's certainly a lot of folks out there today trying to, trying to <laughs> connect the dots and... and, and dispelled and, and make it a truism uh, that that hasn't yet happened but the the name of the newsletter was given uh, in as a piece to Edgar Allen's most famous poem the Raven but, it's a little, but spelled differently yes like raving <laughs> <laughs> what do you get out of reading those newsletters the newsletters were uh, prepared by the boys in the camp um, they, they, they had they had an editor, um, and they were managed by the, the education advisor. Uh, so the editor was a CCC boy, and then all the contributors were the CCC boys. So it was whatever they could get them to say 
they would write down. Now, one master, remember, this is in the 30s when you kind of could write anything you want, say anything you want, and people would just type it out. Uh, but mostly it was filled with uh, accounts of, of sporting events, um, the, the, the box scores for baseball games, uh, inner inter uh, barrack activities, uh, and of course there were the, the barracks lines, and this was, uh, they were mostly uh, comical lines about, uh, you know, Joe and barracks one uh, did something to Bob and barracks two. I, I can't sit here and expand them on the exact uh, text, but it just told of who was there and what was going on at the time. You reproduce a crossword puzzle from one of the issues. I do. Uh, the camp commander, uh, uh, along with the education advisor, uh, had a contest. And the contest was uh, to uh, be able to answer the crossword puzzle. And for a princely sum, a dollar, a whole dollar, that's a lot of money, that's a whole day's wage, uh, was awarded to, to whoever could come up with the answers to the crossword puzzles first. We also talked, speaking, speaking of a dollar, of the, the coupon books that they'd use in the, in the camp store. Mm -hmm. um, they, they had these, uh, these coupon books uh, that they could buy for a dollar a piece. And then there was five cent stamps inside of it. And they could take that to the, the PX and, and buy, their, buy candies, trade them in for candies or tobacco products or whatever else may be available. At the, at the camp store, but it was a way to, uh, the military has long ago learned that uh, when you give a young man cash money, uh, he's usually not very well managed uh, in, in how to keep sums of, of money in his pocket. Uh, so that was one of the ways of being able to uh, have these young enrollees who now had a few dollars in their pocket at payday uh, they would encourage them to go buy these booklets because uh, they wouldn't tend to to get rid of the of the stamps as quickly as they might go to town and uh, and spend all of that money in a in a in a in a weekend's period of time. You mentioned that the uh, camp store sold tobacco, and you say that smoking. You write this: smoking was described as a way of exhibiting being older than you actually were and being a tough guy, meaning you. Do not want to mess with me as I smoke, and as such, I will kick your butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a story related to me uh, a couple of times over by, uh, by veterans. And it was a perception of the time. Um, you know, you, uh, if you were a smoker, you, you had the, you know, you, you did the deep inhale and, you know, let it out through your nose, and something of which I could never <laughs> handle myself. <laughs> but it it was perceived as you know, okay, I'm uh, I'm a I'm a little older, I'm a little I'm a little more mature, I'm I'm more of a man than you might be. Where is your grandfather's memorabilia collection now? Uh, I have all of it, and I've added to it over the years, uh, many parts and pieces. Ebay has become a very good friend of mine. Um, so you're you know, the pack rat that you said your grandfather was. I have become that pack rat. <laughs> uh, and and uh, we, we have a large collection of uh, photographs, camp photographs. Uh, 
there were annual photographs that were prepared by the military, uh, the, the yearbook style, where you had the long framed picture with everybody in it. However, they weren't done every year. They were only done, in fact, they were only ever done two times. But that's not, I stand corrected. The camp photo was done almost annually. Not every year, but almost. There was a yearbook that was created. But the yearbooks were only created two times. Oh, I, just a separate note. We talked about the six-month term and they could re-up for it. But what's the longest someone could spend there? Well, I think if you could... Uh, if you could enamor yourself to the camp commander and he, uh, he was willing to sign it off, you could probably stay a couple of three or four years near the end of the program. I have accounts where I do know, I have records that I do know that there were guys who had been there for more than two years. Um, so I don't, but I don't know really how that all transitioned. But I, there, there had to be some favoritism provided in some manner. Did you come across any evidence of somebody wanting to re-up and the camp commander says, no, oh, no thanks? No, I, I don't think I've, I don't think, uh, I don't think I ever heard that. I want to read this. This is out of the September 1939 edition of the Poe Valley Raven. And the headline is, what's wrong with the CCC? And it starts by saying the main fault with the CCC at the present time is the influx of an overwhelming number of kids as substitutes for the many thousands of camp-wise men who were forced to leave due to the two-year limit. These kids today, and this was written by <laughs> the boys in the camp. It is. Um, one of the things to look at is the date that that was written. Uh, it was uh, after the program had been in place for for five years, almost six. And uh, what was happening at the time uh, was the camps uh, had had this reached this point where the, there was a two-year limit on how long you could stay. Then you had to go. You were done. So these these guys who had been around for quite a while had you know they knew the lay of the land. They knew what was expected of them. And, uh, you know, they, they weren't problematic at all. Um, and the jobs that needed to be, the, the work that needed to be performed, again, it was labor intensive. Uh, th they would get the job done, so to speak. However, these, you know, these new recruits coming in, they, they didn't know. that This is brand new to them. They, they don't know what's expect, what to expect. They don't know what's expected of them. They've got to figure out how to integrate themselves into this, group of seasoned veterans and and get along so uh, i i believe that uh, this uh, writing was more personal than it was camp camp wide but i don't know for certain but i thought it was entertaining and and that's why i included it in the book you also write about uh, numerous celebrities were in the civilian conservation corps this is nationally uh, uh, i suppose and included were test pilot Chuck Yeager, boxer Archie Moore, actors Raymond Burr, Walter <coughs> Matthau, and Robert Mitchum. Mm -hmm. And the Poe Valley Camp had its own uh, semi-celebrity, the cartoonist Martin Filchok. Yes. Uh, so maybe I'll pose it back to you. Might you know who Martin Filchok is? Well, I didn't before I read your book. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think anybody who is of, of, uh, of our age group um, that's sitting here today 
Uh, we know of Martin Filchok. We just may not know who Martin Filchok is. Martin Filchok was a cartoonist, but he was also a CCC boy in Poe Valley. But he, uh, he would eventually go on to become a very well-respected cartoonist. Um, uh, you know, his, his shoulder buddies were Hank Ketchum, Charles Schultz, um, you know, the, the uh, creator of Dennis the Menace and, and, and the Snoopy characters, uh, the, the, the more widely well-known cartoon characters. But Martin Filchok's contribution was the check and double check cartoon that we all saw as, as, in, as young kids, particularly in the magazine Highlights for Children, but in also many other publications. And this was, if you'll recall, it was, you had two, two cartoon pictures sitting side by side, and they looked, they looked identical at first glance. But there were small little nuances in them that were different. And the, the challenge was to find the five different things or four different things or ten different things in each one of those, in each one of those cartoons. You know, one, one might be the seal sitting on a beach and has a ball on its nose. And, you know, the, 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 the picture beside it, the seal doesn't have the ball. And, of course, you would, you would pick out. So that was those, the, the check and double check cartoon was created by Martin Filchok. We only have about a minute left, but can you, in a, a minute, talk about how it all wound down? When did they decide to end it? The program ended in, uh, in, in, in 1941 as we, were, as we were looking ahead at World War II. The necessity for the program started to wane. The economy had picked up. Jobs were more available back home. Enlistment was challenging. They, they weren't able to get recruits to, to fulfill uh, camp rosters, and and the war. Once the war started, uh, it 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 truly uh, took those young boys from the forest to the battlefield, and and uh, that's another whole another whole piece of CCC history that we don't have time to talk about the involvement of CCC boys in World War II. We are out of time. We've been speaking to William Markham. He is the author of this book, The Foreman's Boys, the story of Civilian Conservation Corps Company 1333, Camp S63, Poe Valley, Pennsylvania. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to a podcast of PA Books, a production of PCN, the Pennsylvania Cable Network. Full episodes of PA Books, as well as other PCN programs, are available to stream with the PCN app. Visit PCNTV.com or the App Store for details. Like us on Facebook.